What's up, ladies and gentlemen? My beloved cartel. Today, you're going to listen to an unbelievable episode. This, like, I just, I just have better and better conversations with people. And the more people that I meet, it's, I, I just can't believe, like, how closely we connect, you know? Like, I've never talked to these people before, like maybe a little bit of uh, messaging back and forth through Instagram and whatnot, but it just, I'm just completely mind blown about how these conversations go, you know, and how positive and uh, loving it is. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, Tarrant Firestride, AKA Hatter Will Happen on Instagram is no exception. Like, I was looking so forward to this conversation ever since I heard him on uh, uh, Upstate Unconventional's podcast. Shout out to Nico. Um, but yeah, like him and I just hit it off so well. And I'm just glad we had this such such a positive conversation. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. Um, once again, guys, you know, um, do what you got to do. Smoke a dupe, drink a beer, you know, you know, you know how it works. Okay, enjoy the show. All right, let's get on with it. Welcome back to another episode of Red Pill Cartel. Uh, I got the the Hatter himself here, so uh, uh, Tarrant Firestride. How you doing, brother? Doing great, man. Glad to be here. I appreciate the uh, appreciate the seat. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you got on because I think uh, I scheduled you in like a month ago or something like that. I can't remember, man. I can't remember. I know. You're, you're a busy guy too, right? So there's a lot going on right now. It's a good time. It's a good guy to be, or it's a good time to be using your voice, man. I feel like it uh, is. This was a, the world that we, that you and I operate in was pretty taboo for a long time. And it's like now is the, the vindication of the, the conspiracy people and the, the spiritual people. It's all starting to resonate with all these people that call this crazy for all these years. So. Yeah, dude. I mean, like I can, I can vouch for that statement because, um, where I work, like I've been showing people like what I'm doing on the side, right. Right. Which is the show. And they really seem to be opening up more about it. Like they're, they're really, um, you know, cause I say like, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world that that's being kept from us, you know, and this and that. And I, I have more conversations with people and they're just like, they're a lot, a little bit more, um, able to open up to me about it now you know what i mean and i've even saw see people like kind of gravitate toward me for like answers and shit i'm like dude i don't know everything but i do know quite a bit that you don't know right so, well and that's the problem is people figured out you know something about something and now, now they expect you to know something about everything and it's like whoa right. whoa 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 you said i know everything i didn't say I know yeah everything um but i hear that man and it, it's we're at a point in this experience where for somebody to try to sit back and say that there isn't some pretty weird you know uh just just crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes they're they're just either lying to themselves or lying to you mm-hmm. you know the writing's kind of on the wall at this point and um you know any again anybody who who is denying the the esoteric happenings it just they just miss the train you know yeah they either like i i often have a lot of people say to me like um you know you, you can't you can't save everybody 
you know? I say it all the time. I don't want to, I don't necessarily feel like I'm trying to save people. I'm just trying to like tap them on the fucking shoulder and say, look, dude, this is what's going on. Like behind what you see on the mainstream medium and all that shit. You know what I mean? I hear it, man. I hear it. Yeah, man. And they'll like like, tell you like, did you hear about this or have you seen this? And then you're like, yeah. And you try to add a little context and they just, no, no. They blank out. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, they short circuit. <laughs> that's the, the programming, though, man. And we, we've we all experienced some form of it, whether it was with a system of belief or whether it was with politics or whether it was with education or whether it was, even if it was with sports, you know? And that's what the yeah. principle of polarity is all about in hermeticism is you get people in these camps, man. And as soon as somebody uh, says something that doesn't resonate directly with you or that's outside your comfort zone they just it, it they just shut down and they're like no that's not my camp so i can't agree with that i can't hear that i can't talk about that yeah you know? it's funny funny that you say that because like i honestly when i when i say something i try to point stuff out like i was trying to point out uh the that was going on with um you okay there oh yeah sorry okay i was trying to point out <clears throat> to a couple guys about the symbolism that was going on with the whole Travis Scott thing, right? Right. And one of them is like totally awake. He's like, oh yeah, dude, fuck, blah, blah, blah. And the other guy's just sitting there and he's like staring off into space and I could literally see his eyes spinning in opposite directions trying to like compute what we were trying to say to him, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, just funny. He's like, there's like, you either want to give in and believe or semi-believe or open your mind to it, or you're just going to close yourself off. Well, right. And, you know, it's not easy to shatter paradigms. You know, we, mm-hmm. all, we mm-hmm. build these cushy little realities that are, are inside our comfort zones. And for those to get shattered is kind of a difficult process. And people like you and I have our paradigms destroyed all the time. And so, like, when we have our minds blown, it's just like, okay, well, it's Sunday evening, you know, it's a normal thing yeah. for us. Whereas uh, yeah. most people, it's like this catastrophic blow to their livelihood, to, you know, to, to what this place is or, or, or what they are, you know? And so if it's not, if you're not used to viewing things from the other side of the fence or from outside of the box, if you haven't lived down the rabbit hole for 10, 15 years, like, you know, some of us have, then it's, it's a difficult process. And so, you know, a lot of people get mad about it or they're like, Oh, these people are so stupid. And it's like, no man, they're just scared, you know? And and operating from a place of fear is a really unfortunate place to be. And so even the, you know, the Karens and the people that scream at me for breathing oxygen in public places, um, I don't, God forbid. yeah, right. I don't get mad at them. It's just like, they just need love, dude. They're scared. And they think that, you know, how somebody thinks that somebody breathing oxygen has created this whole situation that we're in right now is, is beyond me because in my opinion, it's compliance that's gotten us here more than anything. Um, but it's, they, they need, somebody to blame and they need um it's just it's all fear-based man and it's 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 sad is what it is it's very sad i mean like even my family and everything like i'm not gonna bring it up too much with my family but there's only two people in my family me me and my oldest brother that know what the hell's going on and it's like i'm just saddened that nobody else does like everybody's just so trapped in the matrix and it, it, it hurts me you know dude my mom's on the task force like it, 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 I live knee deep 
in this stuff, man. Uh, and it's like, I've been, I saw through this, I'll, I'll be the first person to admit that like when, that when was it last January or whatever, when the videos started coming out and it was like, people are dead on the streets. And, you know, at that point I was taking care of my grandpa uh, before he passed. And so like, until I had a chance to kind of explore the landscape and do some research and figure out what was what, it was like, okay, you know, maybe we all need to be careful for a bit. Um, but as soon as I had a chance to like <clears throat> dig in and, and really look into the what's and the who's and kind of see how all the dots connected, it was like, okay, this is what this is. This is not something, you know, we're going to continue living. I'm going to continue taking care of myself, take care of my grandfather, you know, and uh, my, my mom being on this task force was just like, the world is ending and you know the cases and the this and the that and it's like it's just crazy to have someone like that who has access to all of the information i mean dude she has got every resource at her disposal and she's just as sucked into it as anybody else is that sits in front of the tv all day and so it's it's a crazy time, man. And until you can understand that, like, well, first of all, the thing that you're staring at, I'll not you specifically, but the thing that most of these people are staring at is called a television. It's telling you a vision, right? Yep. They're telling exactly. you. That. And what you're watching on this magic box is called programming. Okay. So it's like, they're not even hiding it from you. And it, when you try to explain something like that to somebody and what subliminal messages is and like what neurolinguistic programming is and, um, you know how they can use your sense and they, they just think you're, you're nuts. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to help you so that you can protect yourself from this and you can, and you can exist outside of this, this vibration of fear. Um, and they just shut down, man, or they get angry. And that's at that point when someone's angry, they're not receiving information you know you're not right you're not or the love, the love that you're trying to give to them exactly and and you here's know? the thing like everything that i do is going to come from that place that vibration of love even if it's something that somebody doesn't want to hear even if it's me like you know I, I made a joke on the legit legit bat podcast that like even if I was kicking somebody's ass like that it's coming from a place of love you know what I mean I'm gonna tell them I love them while I'm doing it and it, it's like <laughs> everything that I, I don't know how to operate from anywhere else now and it, it, it's like because to come from a place of anger or fear or resentment like the only person there that the person that hurts the most is is you and that's whose experience ultimately you're going to rob. And as cliche as it sounds to say, like I've never encountered anything in my life that couldn't be fixed with a little bit of love or kindness. Yeah. hundred percent, man. You know, I totally agree. I mean, I go about my daily life and like, I've said this before, like probably num numerous times on the show, but um, I, I have people ask me like, why are you so happy? How are you so happy all the time? And I'm like, yeah. I'm not happy all the time. But <laughs> I, ha I like to say I have a sunny disposition. You know what I mean? Well, and but it rubs off on people, and people notice it. It's, and it's infectious. Like, it is, and it's all perspective, 
man. Mm -hmm. It's like one thing I really try to teach when I talk about hermeticism is things just are, dude. And if you're seeing something as bad or as negative, you're probably just not looking at it from the right place. And people get all offended and they're like, so you don't think there is evil or you don't think the things that are happening to, you know, so-and-so is bad. And it's like, listen, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Because there is, we can create, hurt and we can create trauma and those obviously aren't positive things in themselves but the point that i make is like all of the nasty people in the world right that do the terrible things that we read about or that we write about or that we talk about right um they are creating light right because every ounce of dark that is created an ounce of light will emerge to match that and this is the law and so even if you make that really simple and it's like these people doing really bad things are making people like you start a podcast and use your voice to talk about that so that somebody can do something about it. Right. I, I'm telling you, dude, like, I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, shout out to um, uh, two lady, wonderful ladies I had on my show a while ago, uh, a few weeks ago, um, Madeline and uh, Susie Arshak. Madeline posted a video after like just a few days ago and said, this is exactly what we were talking about. And she was saying, that the people that are evil that run this world are there for a purpose. Right. And that purpose is to make us grow even um, uh, further toward the light. Exactly, man. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, we need that. It is. We need that. And it's like, just like you can look at like childhood trauma, right? Like I got my ass kicked like a grown up from the time that I was like six or seven years old. I got kicked out of my house at 15 because I swung back for the first time and was on my own right at 15 years old. And people hear that and they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, listen, I'm not okay because that made me a lot of things that I needed. Right. And whether it was the fact that I was tough from getting my ass kicked all the time or the fact that I wasn't dependent on anyone else. Right. Because I had to learn to survive on my own or the fact that I wasn't scared to start over with nothing like these were all things that down the road I ended up like like actually needing like my life would have been significantly worse if I would have had a cushy childhood because I wouldn't have known what to do in situations that I got into at 21 or 25 or or, or 30 for that matter. You know, right. The toughness it, it, it coming from a place where I was, I mean, I was a 17 year daily drinker and like getting through that. And walking away from all of the people that I had considered friends, right? Because that's when, when you, when you change your life like that, when you go from being hammered all the time, you realize that the only people that you're around, they're not your friends. They're just people you drink with, right? They're just people that, that, uh, uh, occupy your space. Cause you don't want to drink alone, you know? And, and, but it's scary to end up on an Island by yourself for a lot of people. Right. Whereas for me, it was like, that, that was fine. That was just, a normal, a normal thing for me. I just, I, it was just a fresh start. You know, there were times where I got out of really terrible relationships and like all I got out of there with was a backpack, you know? Right. Right. And for most people that would be just crushing. That would just, just crush their whole experience. They have no, no clue where to go from that. But for me, it was like been here, dude, you know, I'll go buy a pair of jeans, (laughs) you know, and start from scratch. Yeah. Honestly, like the least, uh, excuse me, the least amount of materialism that you can uh, ditch from your life, the better. Right. And how we learn that is through suffering, man. The the, the times that we grow the most are the hardest times that we experience, you know, and yeah. that's, 
a, a commonality within everyone. There is something about struggle and there's something about, you know, pain and there's something about hardship that that and maybe it's just the fact that it yanks you out of your comfort zone abruptly and you have to adapt. You know, but there's something about hardship that just creates this beautiful growth, man. And so I'm at this point in my life right now where I just anything that I fear or anything that makes me uncomfortable or anything that makes me nervous or tries to create a sense of anxiety in my life, I'm walking directly towards it, dude. And I'm yeah, confronting it. Recognize it. And you're like, come on, motherfucker. Let's exactly. Go. Bring it on, yeah. dude. I don't know why I'm afraid of you, but let's find out, you know? Yeah. And so cool, man. Like that's the thing that about this world, like this world pushes like stress onto people and everything. And it's just like, why, I just, I just ask people like, why are you so stressed out all the time? You know, yeah. they're so worried about all these things. And it's like, dude, that, that shit doesn't even fucking matter, man. Right. And it's like, and what, you know, you just went on, not you, but like somebody will go off for like 15, 20 minutes about something they read about or something that, you know, could potentially happen. And it's like, and, you know, how does how does that affect you? And why are you so upset about it? You know, exactly. Um, there are things that we can control and there are things that we can't control. And, uh, you know, one one big thing that I really try to preach is like the micro is the macro, man. And you fixing little things inside of your experience will translate into bigger things outside of your experience. But all you can really control, you know, with your hands is what is in your immediate area right and you can you can start these ripples and you can create these waves that will affect what's outside of you but really all you can all you can really dictate is you and so that's what we have to focus on and that's where we have to create change and hope that those seeds that we sow you know take root and start to grow and that other people will start to water them too but it starts with it always starts with the self man i tell everybody all the time it's like yeah. self-love is where everything starts dude and i think that's <clears throat> excuse me that's where the church or the establishment of religion will say no you have to be other centered right like and it's like no you have to fix yourself first and then you can be less selfish. Right. Well, and if you're not operating at a hundred percent, you're no good to anybody. Exactly. You know? You're not. And I was taught, and that's where I learned it. The place that you just brought up was right. That's where I learned to judge. Right. And that's where I learned that to take care of the self was selfish. Right. Yes, exactly. They say, they say that it's selfish to focus on yourself. Right. It's and it, it, me learning that it was okay to just take care of myself was a game changer for me. It's like, wait, it's not selfish to put my, my needs first. I can put my needs first right now. You know, that was huge for me. And it, it, it started this snowball that has just grown and grown and grown. And it's one of those things where like, and, and, and it all starts with, because people, there's the what, right? It's like, whether it's you want to quit drinking or you want to get a better job or you want to, you want to be happy, right? So, you know, there's this what, right? You know what, but you don't know why, right? And it's going to take work. And so it's hard to work towards a what if there's no why. And so, not, even, not even the what or the why, but the how. Well, right. And how it starts is with self-love. Like you have to matter enough to try, right? And once you can make yourself matter enough to start putting effort towards whatever it is you're working on, you're going to start to see changes and that's going to make it easier for you to put more effort into it. But you have to, it starts with that, with that one, 
you know, you, you have to be willing to, to start putting effort in this because when you're depressed or when you're angry, it's like, A, it doesn't really feel like you have any energy to put into anything. And B, it's hard to put any kind of positivity anywhere in your life when you're when you're upset or when you're hurt or when you're operating from a place of trauma or or or, yeah. or fear, you know, and Depression. everybody's got trauma. Everybody does. Yep. For sure. Everybody has trauma and everybody has uh, the demons that they have to battle. Right. And I say all the time, like people, I was crazy. And I don't even like to say that I was an alcoholic because I don't think there's such a thing as an alcoholic or a drug addict. I think that there are people who are more prone to uh, respond badly to trauma. Right. And that substance is typically the easiest thing to grab when you're in that kind of a vibration. But sure. like, when it comes to, oh, I can't stop drinking or I can't stop putting drugs into my veins. It's like, OK, so that's the symptom. Right. That's that's the symptom. So what is the problem? What is making you feel like you need to do that to yourself or what is making you feel like you are not worthy of being happy? Right. And that always goes back to trauma. And it, a lot of times it's like trauma that people have been carrying around since their childhood. And me, for example, like. I never got taught how to deal with anything. I started drinking every day at 12 and like I was taught that men don't have feelings and you know, all kinds of really unhealthy stuff. But like I had to learn how to like process things at 30 as a grown up, you know, and it's, which is a really hard time to learn how to be an adult when you're already, you know, 12 years into adulthood. But it's like, I didn't realize that stuff from when I was seven, eight, nine years old was still affecting me 30 years later. Cause if you had asked me, I'd have told you I'd made peace with it, you know, like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the reality is like I hadn't, and I really had to kind of humble myself and, and realize, okay, maybe this does bother you. And, and, you know, it's okay that this bothers you. Right. It's so it's okay that that shit gets to us where part of this experience is suffering. And that's just that's just the way that it is. We're all going to suffer. It's what we do with that suffering and how we use that suffering, I think, that defines this 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 life. Absolutely. And everybody looks at their suffering like as a curse. Yeah, I that's that's one of the big problems, like don't look at it as a curse. Look at it as something where you can like take it and turn yourself around, man. Right. You know what changed things for me was I, I used to ask myself a lot, like, why is this happening to me? Right. Like, yeah. what did I do to deserve this? And changing that question into, you know, why am I here? Why did I put myself here? Right. Because I like to assume that everything that I experience is because of something that I did. Right. If for no other reason that I have no one else to blame outside of myself, but it's like, why did I put myself here and what am I meant to learn from this? Right. Because I don't believe in chance or coincidence. You know, her, hermeticism says that chance is a name for law, not recognized. Um, right. And so like, what am I doing here? There's a reason that I'm here. What am I supposed to take from this? Like, even if and the, the example I used the other day was like, say you get a flat tire, right. And you're on the side of the road and you realize you have no jack in your car or you realize you have no spare or air in your spare, right? That's a really rough day. That's a really rough yeah. day. And you're like, fuck me. What do I do? What right. do I do? Why I'm is done. this happening to me? But if, if yeah. you take nothing else from that, then making absolutely sure as you move forward that there is air in your spare and that you have a jack in your car, then you've grown, right? You are a better person than you were when you started that day. And probably when your girlfriend gets ready to leave the house that day, you're going to be like, hey, you have a jack in your car. 
Oh, you don't? Okay, well, we should put one in there because I got a flat tire today and I didn't have one and it was a rough day. And so now you've taken that bad thing and you've not only created growth in your life, but created growth outside of your experience, which is beautiful, you know? A million percent, man. And it started with bullshit, you know? Yep. It started with you being stuck on the side of the road with no way to save yourself. Um, and probably some anger that you had to transmute into some growth. And, and it, something I say all the time, I call this place Earth School, you know, and Earth School doesn't give you anything but lead. That's all you get here. It's your job to turn the lead into the gold. And, you know, successful people are just really good at not losing or rolling with the punches. And I think the only way you can lose is to give up. And, you know, some of the people that I've met that are the most successful are some of the most stubborn people I've ever met before in my entire, they are just too stubborn to quit. And so they win and they continue to win. Yeah. But there's also people don't forget. There's also people out there that are highly successful that they had to cut throats to get there. Absolutely. You know, there's more than one way to get to the top. And that's the thing about like when people talk about, esoteric teachings and stuff and a lot of it gets a really bad rap um it, it, in fact like i was taught that all magic is evil right mm -hmm. and that is simply not the way that i see it anymore uh but like there is definitely dark things that you can do and, and a lot of the sacrifice that goes on or the the backstabbing or the you know the weird dark rituals and stuff that happens is just to take a shortcut Right. A lot of those uh, yeah. things can be achieved through discipline and through practice and through commitment and through training. You know, you can earn all those things the same way, but people don't want to put in the work. They'd rather stab somebody in the back or they'd rather do some weird shit that is going to bump them to the front of the line. But then there's a price to pay for that shit. Exactly. And so, you know, anything that I didn't earn, I don't have, <clears throat> I don't, I don't want it in my life. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, somebody, I, Somebody started to cut you off. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday because I was tell him, telling him about my podcast and we're newer friends, right? And we got to talking deep yesterday and uh, he was telling me about like uh, magic and black magic and this and that. And I, and I, I told him, he's, he asked me, would you like to get into that? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> I don't want to, uh, you know, because I think like if you tool with magic and everything, like not that I think it's evil or anything. I just don't want to do it because uh, it could definitely damage the psyche. You know what I mean? Well, for sure. And it's not always a good idea to mess around with things that you don't understand, you know? And mm -hmm. one thing that I will say about uh, magic as a whole is like uh, the way that I see it is just like I see a gun. Okay. Like, or, or, or a pencil, you know, a, a, a gun is not, good or evil a pencil is not good or bad the person who is wielding the pencil like if, sure. if yeah. i take a pencil and i write i love you on a piece of paper and i hand that to you that's a very beautiful thing right now if i take yeah. that pencil i turn it around and i bury it in somebody's neck it's not so beautiful anymore but that's not exactly the pencil who's hurting anyone right it's the person it's the it's all about intention right exactly and yeah. you know there i I would say that there are two things playing that matter and it's intention and it's perspective. So it's the intention of whatever action that you're performing and the way that that uh, action is perceived, right? Which ultimately is an opinion. So one could argue that the only thing that matters is your intention, but that's where the quote comes in. Like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, every, everybody thinks that they're righteous no matter what they're doing. And so it's something that you have to be careful with and you have to think, you have to put yourself first, but you also have to think bigger than yourself because 
you know, it's, it's great to help yourself or improve your life. But if you are imposing on someone else's free will or you're creating pain or suffering in somebody else's life, then you're not doing a good thing. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Your life. And you know, a lot of witches talk about the, the rule of three where it's like every bit of bad energy that you direct towards someone else, you're going to get back three times. Um, and that's something that I've, I've seen people try to do a little here and a little there and, and, and get a lot back. And there are, there are things that you do that you can't take back. There are doors that you can open that you can't close. I think that's why so many people are afraid of the occult, right? And I was taught in, in religion that occult was the same thing as a cult, right? Okay. Yeah. And so, well, it has that, it's, it has that root word in there, right? Well, right. But what is a, a cult? The word just means hidden. It's, it's not unlike yeah. like esoteric, right? Um, hidden knowledge. Uh, yeah. Right. And so I, I thought that anything that was attached to the word occult, I thought that, you know, and, and hermeticism kids can be viewed as esoteric or occult, you know, crystals, alchemy, all of these things could be considered occult, right? They're, they're hidden. They're not out in the open. They're not, it's not common knowledge for people. You have to be initiated or you have to, you know, go and study things outside of the mainstream to be able to have these things in your life. And, you know, I am a, a avid practitioner of alchemy. I'm an alchemist through and through. And for a long time, I thought that that was terrible. But all alchemy is, is transmutation, man. And you can, you can, a lot of the way that alchemy is written about is uh, metallurgy, like converting literal lead into gold. But there's mental alchemy and physical alchemy and spiritual alchemy and emotional alchemy and practical alchemy. You know, there's all these yeah. forms. And so my whole life, I thought that something that is actually beautiful was evil because I thought that what an alchemist was, was like some evil practitioner that was like creating potions to... You know, I don't know what I thought an alchemist. Like like Merlin from, yeah, uh, yeah. with King Arthur, yeah. And so, and I don't even know that Merlin and the fact that he was able to move energy or whatever is necessarily all bad. And it, when you're going to look at stories like that, like, I don't know, man. It's hard to look at anything historical as truth or as fact because ultimately, like, you know, I say this all the time. History is just his story. And yeah, it's, it's a big, giant, giant fucking lie, right? Yeah, it's written by the winners. Unfortunately, yep. most of the time, the good guys don't win, you know? Uh, yeah. As far as, like, uh, empires, you know? It's usually the most brutal, most cutthroat people that end up at the top. It's who's willing to hurt the most people or screw over the most people to sit in the, in, in, in the, in the throne, you know, and when you yeah. watch like Game of Thrones, I was just talking about this today. And it's like, that's really how this whole thing works, man. It's everybody just getting stabbed in the back. And this person is conniving with this person. And, you know, all these people that we see, uh, anybody whose name that we know is not running anything. You know, like there's all of these people that we see and that we have access to are ultimately being controlled. Somebody else is, is pulling the strings and people like you and I don't get to know about people yeah. that are actually, actually creating change, you know, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate 
that that's the way that it works but like as far as you know back to history it's like every news or, or media outlet in the world is controlled by one of what five or six corporations yep you know and and so we live in this gigantic echo chamber and you have these people that get information from this one source and are willing to like fight and die to prove that this information that's coming from this entity that's ultimately controlled by an entity that they've never heard of uh is accurate you know and it's 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 unfortunate because if if everybody took a little more time to just slow down and research and take information from other sources and try to get you know objective information we'd be living in a different world right now you know and then much different world this i think it's is, i think it's sorry go ahead i was just saying this whole thing is proof of that this whole whatever you want to call this this thing that we're in the middle of is proof that like people just aren't willing to do it they just they they're just going to repeat what they hear man what and they it's just tough it's just tough i mean I, I, I think we're, we're I think uh, our truther community and the podcast community is guilty of it ourselves uh, with the whole echo chamber statement. It's like absolutely. We're, but at the same time, we're also echoing off each other all the good shit that could happen. Yeah, but I think that it's important. Like, I think that debate is important. You know, we've yeah. we've learned that, like. And it started with, in, in my family, it was always either religion or politics. Those are the two, like, well, we just don't talk about it kind of things. And it's everything has turned into that, whether it's the law or whether it's business or whether it's, oh, well, we don't agree. So we just, we're just not going to talk about that. Right. Yep. It's this point where you don't have anything to talk about. No, no intelligent life down here, Captain. Let's go to the next planet. Right. And so yeah. if we in this podcast community spend a little more time talking about the things that we didn't agree on you know and engaging in a little bit of respectful debate it might be good for everybody yeah it'll it'll pick up on other ears you know exactly you said it's the ripple effect right i'm a big huge believer in the ripple effect even before i started uh getting red pills you know what i mean or blue pill whatever you want to call it (laughs) because my last guest honestly she shattered my my um, belief in the red pill thing. She's looking at it from the Freemasonry perspective and symbology and everything. She's like, they want you to think the matrix wanted you to think that the red pill was the good one. Right. Right. She broke it down into all the symbology. It just blew my fucking mind. Right. So I'm like, Oh shit. Should I be rebranding the show? Cause I, I got a goat for my symbol who's handing out the red pill and he's holding back the blue pill. And I'm like, so you're telling me that my goat, which I still haven't named yet, I'm going to name him, uh, <laughs> he's, he's holding back the blue pill and offering you the red pill, so therefore he's the devil handing you the fucking red pill. And she's like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, shit, I should probably rebrand the show then well, <laughs> or switch up the – but whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I hear it, cool. man, but these cool. symbols are only what we allow them to be, you know? Exactly, and yeah. it's just like the word woke, right? Uh, <clears throat> all these people it will tell you how woke they are, you know? Yeah. And most of the people that are walking around going, oh, I'm so woke are the people that are stuck in some e- echo chamber getting information from, you know, one source or from LeBron James or, 
you know, from these social justice warriors or whatever, but it's just like people who walk around talking about how red pilled they are all the time are probably in a very similar boat. There are people that are aware and that are open and that know how to think critically. And there are people that don't. And so whether it's a red pill or a blue pill or a purple pill or a yellow pill, it doesn't fucking matter is making you think critically and question things and network and research, then it's a good pill, dude. It doesn't matter what color it is. Yep. Yeah. And I see people now like with uh, I have a, a follower here named Gold Pill. And I'm like, okay, what's the gold pill all about? You know? I've never heard of the gold <laughs> pill. I've heard of the black pill. And like, uh, and yeah, the, the black pill, pill the, the, the black pill is like, um, like totally have no fucking hope for anything, right? Right. Which I don't accept. And here's the thing like, I don't accept that either. I was called a pessimist for a long time. And I used to say like, no, dude, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. Okay. You can sit here and I can blow hot air up your skirt all day long if that's going to make you feel better, but it's not going to improve your experience. Right. And so I see where the black pill community is coming from and going like, look, this is where we're going. This is what has happened in the past. This is what's happening now. This is our current trajectory. What I don't accept is And there's no way out of it, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. that everything can be transmuted. Absolutely everything. And even the gnarliest, nastiest shit in the world, we can turn into something beautiful. Whether we can do it alone or whether we have to do it collectively, maybe, is up for debate. But I don't think there's anything that we can't turn into a positive. I really, I I really thoroughly believe that, you know? And even if it's, it's not a positive, even if it's not the positive that we wanted, right? That's just us being picky and choosy. If we grew, right? If we have improved our experience or the life of uh, the experience of others with the suffering that we went through, then it's not a bad thing. It's not. If, you know, I I tell people all the time, like all the nasty shit that Ball Gates does is just as important as anything that you and I will ever do to try and make this place better, right? Those people like that make people like you and I. That's why we're here is because we found out all this nasty shit that was going on. And well, if nobody else is going to do anything about it, if nobody else is going to try to get people to understand this, then I will. Right. So out of necessity, through this darkness, there was light that was created inside of us. So who are we to say that these people shouldn't be here? You know, and who knows, maybe at the end of this experience, maybe we all bow together. You know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're an integral, maybe they're an integral part of this. Maybe we, we, we need them more than we know. Maybe they're, I don't know, you know, who are we to, to try and say what this place is or isn't supposed to be? Because if I had to tell you what the purpose of this place was, I would just say it's to learn and to gain perspective, right? That's what, well, it, that's what we're here for. Just like uh, the word Bible could be used as an acronym, right? That age old acronym, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? Right. That's a, that was a mind blower when I heard that when I was like younger. I was like, "Whoa," you know. Right. But I didn't realize what that meant until like more, much more recently, you know. Well, and these things are what you make them. And here's the thing: like I have read personally, front to back, New and Old Testament in multiple versions, and like I'm not a religious person. Right. And I don't walk around going, dude, you should read this like to everybody that will listen to me, but you're not a Bible thumper per se. Right. And I'm not, I don't even consider myself a Christian anymore, but like if 
people read that book and it makes them want to treat people better or treat themselves better, then dude, I'm glad you read it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where I come from. And, and my biggest problem with religion is the, it's I would not, say, I would ahead. say the word dogma. That's it right there is unquestionable yeah. truth. And dude, we can talk about where I think the word dogma came from. If you want, we can get real conspiratorial. For Fucking you. go for it, brother. Um, so Christopher Columbus, right? The Christian saint, the bringer of Christianity to the new world. Did you know that he was seven foot tall and had the head of a dog? Nah, no. Dude, Google. Where did that come from? It's so the the word is, and here's another thing. It's called Sinocephalus is the dog headed man. Okay. And Christopher Columbus was depicted again, seven foot tall with the head of a dog looking to the side with the sun behind his head and his hand in the air, just like Jesus is always depicted. Okay. He brought Christianity and Christian dogma. Is it coincidence that the dude who brought Christianity and all of its dogma had a dog head? Is that coincidence? Holy fuck. Is it so that the how dog- was he how was he depicted like a with a dog head? Like who depicted him like that? It's debatable whether he was depicted like that or whether he was like that, dude. Oh Jesus. That sounds like like uh it, it makes me picture um, Egyptian hieroglyphics. I was going to say, but now we're talking Anubis, right? Like, yeah, the jackal head and shit. And we've seen stuff throughout history like this in Egypt all, all over the place. These, beings, oh. these hybrid beings, right? So who's to say that that's... And we know that America is way older than what we're told. Way older. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. know there's civilizations that lived here uh, way before the Americas or even the even what we call the native Americans, right? There were people here way before them. And so we don't know what history looks like from here, but it, it was also called, he was the dog headed man was called Sinocephalus, right? And what else did Christopher Columbus bring besides dogma? Did he shut up and brought syphilis? Syphilis. Right. So is cephalus and so you're going to tell me those two words, cephalus and syphilis are unrelated. Cephalus is spelled with a C, right? Yeah. So they're spelled different, but phonetically they're the same, right? Does does cephalus have anything to do with a, a phallus, like a penis? Yeah, that's that's it, exactly what it is. And so syphilis is spelled different, but you're saying phallus, and syphilis is it has to do with the phallus, right? So knowing what you and I know about words and etymology and how they work, are we gonna are we gonna try to convince ourselves or anybody else that this is all a coincidence? <laughs> You know, oh, this is beautiful. And Damn, dude. Anything Abrahamic, first of all, and, and, and here, here's the thing with the Bible. You know, Christians don't like to admit this, but it, a, a lot of these days, uh, everything is based on solar worship, right? Whether it's uh, the and, and like Muhammad had the same birthday and the same death day. This is solar worship, right? There was a hundred deities that lived before. Uh, Jesus that had the same birthday, died on the same day, were dead for three days, were risen. This is the the winter solstice and the summer solstice and the equinox. And yep. these are all uh, related to the sun. And we call him the sun, right? The son of God. And But we switch the O to a U, you know, and we, we try to act like all of these things are unrelated. But the fact is, these stories are much older than Christianity. Oh, 100%. Right? And Easy. So, 
religion as a whole is something that we don't fully understand. We've been given pieces of something, but, and, and then we were told, we were taught that it's dogma. And so you can't, you, you can't question it or else you're, you're going to get struck by lightning is what I thought for most of my life, or, you know, something terrible is going to happen to you or you're going to go to hell or they use all these fear tactics to keep you from trying to understand, uh, you know, on a deeper level, what these things mean or what they are. And something to me, you know, this is Jeff speaking, but something to me that uh, is uh, unquestionable or, or, or dogma is, is, is very intimidating to me and something that, that I tend to, to question very deeply and, and kind of have an issue with. Because for me to really understand something or to believe something or to get behind something, I have to be able to ask some questions and understand, you know, why things are this way and, and how I fit in to these things right and yeah and it's it's not at my church anyways that wasn't okay and it was like no read the book and you know that's that's the way that it is and but like half the people that even go to church don't even read the fucking bible dude they just like they just want to go to church on sunday and then like have the pastor or whatever uh uh quote unquote teach them what it's supposed to be what it's supposed to mean exactly exactly and now and they're like oh i'm good you know, I'm ready for another week. And now you're not connecting with the divine, right? Which is supposed to be the point. You're not connecting with the divine. You're connecting with some pastor who is telling you that he's connecting with the divine and then telling you how to, you know, there's this middleman that there's not supposed to be. Right. And, and that's, next thing you know, you find out that he's fucking kids. Exactly. And so we've got these dudes that are calling us sinners and telling me that I should be doing things different, but they're diddling kids in the back room, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing that I learned to do the best at church was judge, you know, and maybe, maybe oh, yeah. people had different responses, but that is the biggest thing that I took from organized religion was that person is not doing it right, you know, and, or they look like that. So that's who they are. And, or, or they don't believe what you believe, but so this is, this is what they are. You know, I, it taught me to be very judgmental and that's something that is just not acceptable in my experience anymore, I'm the last person that is going to judge people because every stereotype that or every stigma that I have ever been handed was just total garbage. And like, dude, I was told my whole child, like that people in it, this has changed some over the last 15 years, maybe, but like, I was told that all people with tattoos are mean. <laughs> and like, that's funny. My dad built custom Harleys when I was a kid. And so these guys would come into his motorcycle shop, just all bearded and tattooed up. You know, my first, my first crew were uh, on the, in the outsiders motorcycle club, which is uh, like MC from the Portland area. It's not as big as like the, the angels or the jokers or anything like that. Um, but these guys were all like wearing their leather vests, all bearded, all tattooed up, coming to work. And like, I'm supposed to tell these dudes what to do. You know, aren't these guys, right? aren't these guys mean, you know? Yeah. And so I had a lot of indoctrination that I had to break through <clears throat> to be able to even really function as an adult. And now look at me, dude, I'm all tattooed up and got a beard and long hair and like all this stuff that I was taught was bad or was to be feared, you know? And, and ultimately that's what all of this judgment teaches is it's it's all fear-based man and that's what that's my biggest problem with religion is the fact that there's no you can't take care of yourself and that it's like you need to act this way or else you know yeah like my creator was a 
uh, not angry or, or, or jealous or vindictive or, you know, like these are things that, that the, the divine that I look up to, they, my, my, the, the divine in my experience doesn't operate in, in those kind of vibrations. And like when no. you try to question these things in church, <clears throat> you're called blasphemous. Yeah. And so like that, that's my deal, man. And if it, if, if, if you go to church and it makes you want to love people and it makes you want to treat people better then keep going to church, man. Like, yeah, but oh, absolutely. That's, that's, that's my deal, man. That's my deal with religion as a whole is like, if something's going to make you, it's, it's, it's about how you treat yourself and about how you treat the people around you. And that's why like at the end of all my videos, I say, love yourself, love the people around you and love this plane, man. I think if you do those three things, then you're doing it right, man. Even if you it's don't. It's the core. To... Yeah. It's the core. It sums up all the 10 commandments, like uh, treat people like you want to be treated, man. Love you thy know? neighbor, man. Love thy neighbor. That's all to, what it's all about. And you know, like, you can't even like get that through to people sometimes because they get so caught up in like the daily routine and everything. And anybody that goes against that, anybody that when they feel like attacked, they're they they get like very aggressive and they get catty and this and that. And then it's like, dude, you gotta try to like keep your mind on that positive wavelength at all times, man. You can't That's the same thing. That's what they want. Yeah, that's what they want is they want us angry and they want us scared and they want us, you know, they're the I keep saying they, you know, whatever you want to call the people that control this place, you know, because it's not us, unfortunately. Um, well, but, Satan, Satan does have the uh, the uh, he operates the kingdom here, right? They want us angry at each other, dude, and they want us divided and they want us picking each other apart, you know, and the, the biggest fear from that whole camp is that we sit down and we say, you know what? How can I help, dude? How can I help your experience? How can you help my experience? How can we get on the same page? Where can we find common ground? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's once you understand the principle of polarity, right? And you, you, you realize they're using it everywhere. Once you start to understand sigil magic, you realize that that's everywhere. You know, there's these things that we're taught to ignore, you know, and whether it's even if it's the programming that you're talking about that comes out of the TV or on the radio or in the movies or in music or in sports, like once you see that it's there, once it's almost impossible to program someone who knows that they're trying to be programmed. Oh, yeah, for sure, dude. So waking up to it, just getting hip to it is like just this this crucial point. And that's why, like, I love to to debate man and I, I didn't know how to do it respectfully until the last couple years i just wanted to argue and i had to be right you know um mm -hmm. but like i i got into a conversation with this dude i was buying supplements at gnc the other day and like we we started uh talking because like I came in there by Prevagen or something, some memory brain supplement. And he's like, Oh, how do you like that? You know? And then he's like, well, you're not wearing a mask and blah, blah, blah. And, and that sparked this whole thing. And so we, <laughs> we started with common ground, which was, yeah, I don't want to wear this thing either. We started with common ground. And then we realized that like, we were very different in our forms of spirituality and in the way that we viewed like the world. And so it was me and this dude. And I sat, it was like an hour and a half and we just went off and like 
dumped to each other. Neither one of us raised our voices. Neither one of us got frustrated. It was like, dude, I can totally see where you're coming from, but this is how blah, 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 right? And it was just this respectful back and forth thing. And the kid next to him was like, the other kid that worked there just had his jaw dropped the entire time and was he had no idea what the fuck you guys were talking about yeah but he's like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen you know yeah yeah yeah. got my information and was like dude we got to talk some more you know and those are the kind of conversations that i live for because again if the only people that we're talking to are people that we agree with then we're not growing right we're not we're not learning we're not doing oh sure dude for sure and so just going out and people are like well I just, and listen, I, I don't, I'm over like telling other people what to do in their experience. I don't wear a mask personally because I like to breathe oxygen. There are people that have to do it for work. There are people that have to do it for all kinds of reasons. And that's totally a personal choice. I'm not going to knock anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. But I choose not to wear one. And people are like, well, I choose to wear one because I just don't feel like putting up with the arguments. And it's like, well, listen, that's a big part of the reason that I like to not wear one is to engage in these conversations because there's nothing (laughs) better than someone chasing me out of the store yeah. telling me how all this is my fault. And now maybe I've got a chance to talk viral pathology with somebody, right? Like, hey, 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 you're out here. Let's have a conversation. Sit down. Let's let's talk about this, you know? Because oh, nobody here's... that's going to yell at you for that is doing it to be an asshole. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they're doing the right thing, yeah, which is cool. You know what I mean? Like, that that sparks the conversation right there. It's like, right. well, I think I'm doing the right thing for not wearing a mask. Exactly. And most people expect to be yelled at back, right? Yeah, yeah. Expect somebody to be an asshole. Now, when I go into the store, I'm smiling at everyone, right? Because how can you yeah. be a dick to somebody who's smiling at everyone, right? How can and you there's do a lot? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that that uh, you know, anti-masker or anti-vaxer will go into a store just to piss people off, right? And dude, here's my thing, like. I will start with like, hey, first of all, dude, I appreciate what you're doing. I think that it's awesome that you are freaking coming up and approaching a stranger, right, to try and talk about something that you're passionate about. It probably took balls, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, so first of all, you have my respect, okay? Now that I have established that, I'd like to say that I disagree with, with what you're bringing me, and I would like a second to explain why. Do you have a second since you're out here, since you followed me out of the store, Right. And I've heard you out. Are you willing to hear some things that I have to say? Can we talk viral pathology? Because this is something that I've studied deeply. Can we talk about the efficacy of the thing that you're asking me to put on my face? And usually by the time I get that out, they realize, okay, maybe this guy's not a complete dumbass. Yeah. And you're not not an asshole. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I'll hear him out. Just like when if somebody comes and I'm very respectful to law enforcement, right? Until someone tries to violate my rights. And then I'm respectfully going to tell them that I don't consent to my rights being violated. And I'm perfectly willing to educate a police officer on what my rights are because I know them, right? A lot of people will get mad, get disrespectful. And people don't respond well to that. You have to stay calm, Right. Yes. You have to be respectful or else nobody's going to hear what you have to say. And if you get someone angry or you come at someone from a place of anger, then they're not going to receive what you have to say. And you're just wasting your breath. Right. So I approach it the same way that I do law enforcement or 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 anything, anything for that matter, because you can't nobody's going to agree with everything. And like I choose to live unapologetically. me, Right. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to hurt anyone else. I'm not going to create trauma in someone else's experience, you know? And if someone, people are like, well, then, you know, you're not wearing a mask is traumatizing people. It's like, well, listen, that I can't control, right? Because 
if if someone's going to take trauma from seeing a smile then then i can't help that you know but yeah I, I don't steal i don't you know i don't intentionally break laws but here's the thing there's a difference between lawful and legal i don't care so much about legal i'm not about laws made by men to control other men cosmic law natural law i'm all about right but i yep. believe that yep. if there's no victim there's no crime and so if i'm not harming anyone then i want to be left alone to do whatever i want to do and i'm going to do it right and if somebody's going to impede on that then that's my free will that they're trying to dictate which now we have an issue right and so now we're going to have a conversation about that and so me living unapologetically me is going to create waves and i'm okay with that right and it's not about the waves that are created it's about the way that i respond to the waves when they're created is what i've discovered and so just remaining calm and being cool and being collective and 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 staying couth right that's a word that doesn't get used very often anymore but i think it's yep. important you know c-o-u-t-h yeah you gotta you you, you gotta keep your couth man and, and being uncouth is uncool it's just like it's i don't know people it's just i so think easy i think when people are being uncouth i think that means uh their ego is very much attached to what they're trying to get at and it's trying to defend them. They're trying to defend themselves. And exactly. Very messy, very messy, very quickly. The ego is something that like, and I'm not about killing the ego. I think that a little bit of ego is important for everybody. I think it's very important. can do yeah. a lot of good when it's used properly. I think it's something that has to be transmitted and it's balance, right? Everything's about balance. You can, yep. These, you don't want to be on either pole. And so I think some ego is good. And maybe it's my ego that helped me develop the backbone to start doing some of the things that I'm doing. And so, and so it's not a bad thing, um, but you can't, you don't want to totally destroy anything. Even like uh, you can't operate in a vibration of fear, but a little bit of fear every once in a while is, is like, I like to get nervous every once in a while. It's like, okay, this is what it feels like. This is, this is, it makes you feel alive. You know? Yeah, for sure. It's for sure. Respond to it. And those are the things I'm going to walk towards. You know, when I was a kid, it was like jumping off of stuff. And I was this adrenaline junkie, all the stuff that everybody else was scared to do, I wanted to do. And I'm paying for it now physically. But like, that's a mentality that is is very beneficial to me in, in the world of business or in the world of, you know, spirituality or conspiracy is I'm not afraid. And that's why it's the Hatter, man, is because like all the places... I'll go and I'll live down the rabbit hole where nobody wants to go, man. And all the places that everybody else is afraid of, I'll embrace it. You know, in the case yeah, that everybody break, I'll live in it and I'll love it. Yeah, you jump down there head first and you're like, what do you got for me today? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and you got to look fear into the eye and just be like, you know what? I respect what you do, but you're not for me, you know? And, and it's a key, man, is how I look at fear. And the, the best example I can think of off the top of my head is like heights, right? Oh, um, yeah. That's people, a big one for a lot of people. Everybody's afraid of it. And it, it, it robs them of experiences, whether it's looking off the edge of the Grand Canyon or whether it's being able to get on your roof to clean your gutters, right? Whether it's something really practical or whether it's something really big, right? That fear, once you face it and once you have mastered that fear – you have just unlocked the next level of your experience. You have this key that can open all these doors that you weren't able to get into before. 
Right. I love it. And so it's like we have to challenge ourselves and we have to walk towards the things that make us nervous or the things that make it. Nothing good was ever accomplished inside someone's comfort zone. Right? Oh, 100%. Ever. So we got to get uncomfortable. We got to get scared. We got to get, you know, and, and that's... One of, I, one of my things, sorry, one of my uh, main things is... Um, uh sorry I'll, I'll go back to when i was about i don't know i'd say two three years old i still remember it <clears throat> very vividly vaguely but vividly at the same time uh but my um my parents were gone from home and my aunt and uncle were looking after me and and uh my aunt was bathing me in this little like plastic pink tub on the on the on the kitchen table right Right, bathing me, and I looked up, and my, my aunt was gone, and my uncle was there, and he was drunk, I believe, uh, and he was holding my head down under the water, and he was laughing. Oh wow! Yeah, and my aunt came along, and she—I remember seeing. This is what I picture: is that she came along, and said, "What the fuck are you doing?" And pushed him away, and then she she cradled me. Right. Right. Ever since then, I'm I'm 42 years old now. I'm still fucking scared of going underwater. See, dude, you know. And here's how I would look at that, okay? Um, from a big picture standpoint, right? <coughs> I believe that all of the things that we encounter, especially the trauma that we encounter, is like hugely important to our experience. Okay, so if I were to recommend something, it would be like, it, not that it's easy, right? Especially going through something like that. Like, it's probably terrifying. But what I'm saying is that maybe from a big picture standpoint, maybe the universe put that situation in your experience, or maybe you put that situation in your experience to create this fear, this almost irrational. I mean, it's very rational, but it's probably the fact that you're 42 and you still can't go underwater probably feels a little bit irrational sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I can still do it. I can do it, but it fucking freaks me out. Like if I go like to a pool or if I go out to uh, like, say like a beach or whatever, I'll go in the water. Like I love it. Like I love the feeling everything, but just dipping my head under that water is always that thing where I'm just like, I got to work my work up the, the balls to do it. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <gasps> right. And then I'm Wonder and then I come up, you know. So I can't swim because of that fear. Dude, like I, I can't imagine. I grew up with a pool in my grandparents' backyard, so I was like jumping off of the diving board with no life jacket at like eight. Yeah, see, old. like I couldn't, I couldn't do that shit because I'm fucking so t because of that fucking trauma, dude. Dude, well, and see, that's the thing. Like, I think that some of those things happen to give us an opportunity to face them. Like, you may have some crazy water something that you need some crazy water experience that you're you're being deprived of right now because you probably avoid situations altogether that could be really beautiful situations like imagine oh, if probably. you were able to go snorkeling or something like what that would feel like to you to be able to go underwater and like swim with fish dude you know what i mean like dude change you know what's really, you know what's really fucking crazy about me bringing this up right now what's that is that me being able to be comfortable enough to tell you about it? Because the last couple days I've had dreams, like very vivid dreams about uh, snorkeling 
and wow. being uh, a little bit scared of it. And then I had a dream uh, where my my niece, my youngest niece, she took in water in her lungs when she went to kiss a dolphin at a, like an aquarium, and the glass broke, and she took in the water, and she was running away, and I was trying to warn people that she took water in her lungs. You got to do CPR or whatever, right? Right. And then uh, uh, just yesterday I had a dream that I was uh, in Newfoundland in Canada. I'm up in Canada, right? right. Uh, which is where my relatives are from. And I was at my grandparents' house and the back, their backyard showed the uh, Atlantic Ocean. Wow. Right? And I, I had a dream where I was sitting in this small little island and I was surrounded by water. Like wow. just of water. And it's just, it's crazy that this conversation went in this direction with you. Like, it's its wild to me right now. Well, and all I'm thinking about right now, dude, with this whole, this whole, what I said and what you said and what you, your dreams and everything is like, dude, what if you had to save somebody from the water? You know what I mean? Like, what if someone was drowning in front of you and you could get to them and you could save them, but you couldn't bring yourself to go under, you know, you see what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Like, what I if couldn't there's do some experience? Somebody died because of my fear. That's what I'm saying. And what if you, yeah. that fear is going to give you the opportunity to save somebody's life? And you, you see how, how profound that could be in your experience? Oh, you were able to I got, that? Like, I got major fucking goosebumps right now. Me too, dude. Just putting all of that together and realizing that, like, you facing that fear could help, could enable you. To, to save a life or to change a life uh, just from it. We talk about keys, dude. And the, I was just talking about like that. These fear is keys. And so just imagine the things, the doors that you would open if you could face that fear. And I think every fear is like that, whether it's on a large scale or a small scale. I mean, I really believe that they're put in front of us intentionally for us to face. Like, I think that it's levels for us to unlock, just like when you get to, uh, you know, level 35 or whatever in a video game. And now you can access a new map. I, I, I think it's this. Oh, that's all allegorical to uh, real life. Yeah. You know, I think this, yeah. this is just like a video game, dude. I mean, what this is, it's just a big experience, man. And it's like, you'll, you'll never make a video game crazier than this place. Right. You know? Yeah, dude. Honestly, it's, it's people have seen such unimaginable horrors. Yeah. Before they, before their uh, very last second of of life. Yeah. Well, and, and we're sitting here taking in video games and entertainment, and it's like, it's all part of it, man. Everything's a part of everything. I'm such a wholehearted believer in that. Oh yeah. Like I said, man, coincidence is just the name, or chance is just the name for law not recognized. You know, nothing is arbitrary. Nothing is accidental. You know, and I think that we rob ourselves by not looking at things uh, from from a big picture standpoint like that, you know, and we just talked about a fear of drowning and facing that enabling you to save someone's life down the road. I mean, how how profound is that, you know, from a fear that it's like, well, so what? I'm scared of water. I just won't go in the water. You know, there's a really simple, really easy solution to not have to, 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 to not experience that fear. Right. It's just to avoid it. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But there's no growth in that. Right? Yeah. And so you, you got to face two options. options. Yeah. You face your fear head on and you grow or you just avoid it and then you don't grow. 
Exactly. And so, yeah. like, one thing that could be fun for you, dude, because you wouldn't even have to fully submerge right away. And I recommend this for everybody. But have you ever done sensory deprivation? I haven't, but I've been thinking about that a lot, actually. I, I heard about that on, because uh, uh, Rogan does that shit, you know? Shit'll change your life, dude. Yeah, he'll eat DMT and get in there, dude. That's a whole oh, freaking idea. Fuck that, dude. That's I don't a need a whole nother I, level. I have, I don't want anything to do with any uh, psychotropic drugs anymore. <laughs> uh, I've done mushrooms once, and I've done acid once when I was like 13 or 14, and I don't need to do it again because all, all it did for me was, was uh, make me realize that there was more to the material realm. Right. Well, and different people respond to that shit different ways, you know, but that's another thing. Like, here's the thing. I probably ate enough acid for you and me and everyone else in my teenage years. Um, that's so funny, dude. And I, I mean, the first time I ate mushrooms, I ate like a half ounce, but just a stupid amount of my, I was always like, if I was going to do something, I was going to do it. So like, so did you break through the first fucking time? Oh, dude. I, I mean, the, the first time I ever did acid, this, the, the guy this. I got it from was high. Right. And he had never <laughs> put it in somebody's eye before. And so he, basically, oh, what did it? He tells me that for every hit I put in my eye, he'll put a hit on my tongue, right? And I don't remember whether I was drunk or why this sounded like a good idea to me, but he put four in my eye and then four in my... So the first time I've ever, ever touched this drug, I take eight hits. And I find out later that this is like one hit acid. Like, you didn't need more. You did not need eight, you know? And it just... Dude, my brain is fucking breaking just from thinking about this. Put me on this level, dude. And I was just gone. Like there was no, there was no middle ground. Like, oh, I'm starting to get high. Like, oh, this is what acid feels like. Like I just went from zero to the moon and it was like a 13 hour experience. <clears throat> and zero, zero. <laughs> it, it was incredible. And here's the thing, like it was kind of intimidating, right? And just like my first mushroom experience, like there was no reason for me to eat that much mushrooms. But like what I ended up doing is, <laughs> unless you're eating spaghetti <laughs> I, I end up at the top of the stairs and i'm like just staring at my little brother and my mom and for like eight hours i just fried balls and watched him stare at the tv and thought about what a waste of his life that was <laughs> and so i ended up as as terrible and terrifying as the experience was like I realized that like, I didn't want to spend my whole life in front of a TV like that. And I didn't want my family to either. And I realized like, and that's, that's when it, like, <laughs> wait, that box is lying to him. Oh yeah. That's not the truth that that TV is telling him right now. You know, and I was way too high to try and say that to him at that point. But like, that's when it started to click that like, that wasn't just gospel truth that came out of that black box, you know? And that that thing, I just, it, it kind of all hit me at the same time that like that thing was designed to just keep you glued to it and whatever came out of it, you were going to believe, right? Because that was, that's what we were taught is what's on the news is the truth. And like, that's when my conspiracy mind really all started to click. And like, I was the kid that was a freshman in high school talking about 9-11 being an inside job, you know, and everybody thought I was crazy. Everybody thought I was nuts. And but that's that that is the moment that I started to question everything was when I ate all those mushrooms. Right. That was the moment that put doubt in my mind and it completely changed the entire trajectory of my life. And it's funny to have had such a profound experience the first time that I did it. And then after that, just have managed to turn it into a like a, a big party and not have it spiritual at all. And like 
as an adult, I think that it's probably healthy for someone to do a mild psychedelic once. Oh a yeah. Oh no, definitely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. If for- even Sam, Sam Tripoli always says, uh, sorry, Sam Tripoli always says that, uh, all the, the government should get together and have like a mass world global meeting and all fucking eat mushrooms. Totally. I think that <laughs> president, they should have to fry balls at least five times, right? And like, <laughs> maybe on each of like, maybe you should have to eat mushrooms, a healthy dose of mushrooms, and then take a healthy dose of acid and then have an ayahuasca ceremony and then smoke DMT. Like maybe you should try all these different, because if you talk to a shaman about it, he'll tell you that each one has a different personality. And I can't remember the way that the family dynamic works, but like grandmother is ayahuasca and she's the grouchy, jealous grandma, right? And they all have these personalities and each each one of these hallucinogens is a different member of the family. And so it, it, from a shamanic oh, wow. perspective, they all play an integral <clears throat> part in your growth. And so when you're having an issue with this, you go see cousin DMT. You know, I can't remember if that's how it works, but <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah 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 family dynamic and it's and it's important and they all have very very different personalities so it's like just because you had a weird experience on one thing or another thing doesn't mean that all psychedelics are going to affect you that way because they all have personalities just like you know just like we have personalities or just like different people in your family have personalities and so you know if it was this prerequisite to running for president that you had to have an ayahuasca ceremony or five ayahuasca ceremonies. Like, dude, we'd be living in a different world right now because the perspective oh. change that you go through. Right. And that's why my, my uncle, his whole life, he's in his late fifties. And he, even when I was a teenager, I remember my mom caught me with mushrooms. Right. And she's like, you need to talk to him about it. So my uncle calls me from California and he's like, <laughs> oh, your mom said you're eating mushrooms. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, how often? And I'm like, I don't know, dude, like once a week, he's like too much bad for the brain, cut it down to twice a year. And I'll tell your mom, I yelled at you. And <laughs> it's like, oh okay, cool, man. And then he gets back on the phone with my mom and he's like, you realize, that, awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you realize that I eat mushrooms once a year. Right. And you put me on the phone with him to chew his ass about eating mushrooms. Like, I think it's important, <laughs> you know? And so that set this precedent for me. So every time that I really get stuck in a rut, right, where I'm really just whether it's negativity or whether it's it's anything when I just because I will take time, you know, just like I just went through like and it sounds hilarious to say, but I just went through like six weeks straight of work and it like traumatized me, dude, because I don't work that way anymore. And I know that's funny to people that have full time jobs, but like. I learned to trade really young and I'm self-employed. So like what I'll typically do is I'll take on a project that takes a week, right? And I'll mm. do two of those per month, max, mm-hmm. right? I'll do a two-week project, and then I'll not do anything for the rest of the month. And that is enough financially for me to – because, you know, I, I do really good work, and I'm not cheap, and I've, I've built this reputation so that I could work this way. And so I'll work for a week, and then I'll go on vacation. I'll go to Shasta, or I'll go explore, or I'll go hike for the next week, or I'll do nothing. And so me just working my ass off for these six weeks, like really screwed with my vibration. Some, and you probably noticed I haven't been on Instagram as much. Like I've really been, I have noticed. Yes. Dude, I'm focusing hard on like, I'm altering my vibrations and it's a process. And so it, it for me, it's like, I got to sit with myself and I really got to focus on my thoughts because what you think about dictates your experience. Right. And so if you're thinking about bullshit, you're going to create bullshit. And I refuse to create bullshit. And so 
I will take a week, a solid week. And if that means that for the first three hours of every day, I sit on my couch with my eyes closed and just let my brain work and say, no, that's not what we're going to do. No, that's not what we're going to do. If that means I ground for three or four hours a day, then that's what it means, dude, because I'm going to change my vibrations and I'm going to get back to that place where I feel good talking about uh, changing and where I where I feel like making a couple of videos a week, you know, because if it feels like work, I'm not going to do it. When, when it comes to my podcast, if it feels like work, I'm just not going to have a podcast, right? It needs to flow. It needs to feel good. It needs to feel free. Yeah. Uh, and so that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what I do with my show, dude. It's like, that's how it has to be. I'm not, I'm not going to make it so that like people can't say what they want to say. I just want everything, everybody to be feel liberated when they come on here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, argue with you i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to what you have to say and dude like nine times out of ten uh i'm gonna agree with you you know well and that's a beautiful way to approach it but like when i am just stuck in a rut like for example i'm i'm really starting to feel good now after like a week of just basically babying myself which still it's really fun good good talk about that but like if i was just stuck in this rut and i wasn't starting to feel like the hatter again I would eat mushrooms or I would drop a hit of acid. You know what I mean? Sure. And yeah. because that is going to put things in perspective for me. And that's the way that, that, that I work. And I think that the human animal <clears throat> being taken out of this material world, because that's what these psychedelics do, right? Is they kind of remove you temporarily <laughs> from the material and kind of show you shit from the other side. Right. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> and it can really jar things for you especially if it if you are able to kind of ride along because here's where people here's why people have bad trips is they try to dictate the trip okay at that point you are along for the ride it's not good it's not bad that's one of the big things they talk about with ayahuasca ceremony is like you're gonna see some shit dude some of it might be a little intimidating but it's not bad and it's not good either it just is all right it's an important part of that. This is something that the plant or the mushroom or, or the hit needs you to see. Okay. So, yeah. It's hacking. It's hacking your matrix code. Exactly. And so yeah. people get into a bad spot is when they try to dictate the experience, when they try to tell the mushrooms, what the mushrooms are going to do to them. And they realize they can't. And that's just not how psychedelics work. You know, you, you just maintain that sense of calm right? You try to remember you ate something that's going to make you trip beach balls, right? And, and you're just along for the ride. And when you kind of humble yourself before a mushroom or before, uh, you know, a, a, a vine like that, it's, it's honestly very empowering to be able to say, okay, you know what, you know what, this experience is bigger than me. And I'm going to be an observer in this experience because that's some shit that you can apply in, in oh, yeah. every other portion of your life, right? And that's something that Hermes yep. talks about a lot is stop internalizing everything. The world's going to have ups and downs. Be an observer, right? And when you can sit through a psychedelic trip and just observe while your reality is altered, it's going to change the way that you approach your life. And if you can just observe that, then you can just observe whatever, right? And so there are gigantic lessons that you can learn, but we get ourselves into trouble with psychedelics because we're control freaks. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's hard to not be in control, but there's lessons in that because we can't control everything. Right. We can't. Right. We have to know that our, our creator is the one in control. That's right. And 
our creator created the mushroom and created like all these psychotropics and it, it's like when you take that stuff you gotta let go and let god go you well know? and 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 show me one ancient civilization that doesn't have a mushroom carved into a stone somewhere 100 percent. yeah Graham hancock will tell you that was the evolutionary leap in and i mean if if i i'm not an evolution guy but if you believe that we were all cavemen at some point with no technology, he believes that is what upgraded our spirituality was eating the magic mushroom, you know, and who's to say that there wasn't some upgrade that we took as a species when we found this. And what's, what blows my mind to think about, dude, is like, how do you find out that the, the, the slime on a frog's belly makes you hallucinate? Yeah, who fucking licked the toad's asshole? But I'm saying initially, I'm going to flip that frog over and lick its gut. You know, who said that? Who goes that mushroom right there? That's fungus. That's growing on cow shit. I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to put that in my body. You know how? And so there's some major intuitive shit that played into that. Like we were supposed to find these mushrooms, man. I mean, who, how do you, how do you just, you're you're just walking through a field and you see a pile of shit and there's this fungus growing on it. What makes you want to put that in your mouth? Yeah. And then like thousands of people later, you know, right. You're recording their experiences and then sharing it with the world. And then the other people saying, you know what? This probably ain't so bad. Let it, me try it. Right. And that's what alchemy was for me. Right. Or crystals, because I was told my whole life, those were bad. That's devil shit. Right. I felt like I, I you know, what I felt like when I was a kid was like, my mom was Bobby Boucher's mom from mm. the water boy. It was like water boy, yeah. everything outside of what I was taught was the devil, you know? And, uh, anything that opens your mind is the devil you know and there's something to be said about the story of the garden of eden that you know and how that's interpreted that i have a pretty major issue with like um but we're meant to expand and we're meant to experience different things and like with with alchemy or with crystals crystals is what really opened all of this up for me right because Long story short, I dated this girl, hung out with this girl for a little bit. She put a rock in my backpack. I got home and we, we literally never saw each other again. And so it was like she came into my life to deliver this rock is what I firmly believe. Because there was no event that transpired. Neither one of us pissed each other off. It was just there was nothing left after that. Just, she gave me the rock and we wanted nothing to do with each other. And I right. realized that and it made me feel like shit. It made me upset. Right. And I realized that when I held this rock it made me feel some type of way. I, it, I took relief from it. And I, I didn't realize it at first, but after like a couple of days, I realized this damn rock had been in my hand for like six hours a day and that I was carrying it in my pocket. I'm like, dude, why am I walking around with a piece of amethyst in my pocket? Like, who am I? And why is this happening to me right now? And it clicked somewhere in me. And I was like, wait a second, like this is vibrate. And, and it, it just, it, it, bam and it was like okay now i'm going to the crystal shop and i went in there and i talked about this a little bit on nico's podcast but like i didn't know what i was looking for i went in there with no sorry, information sorry, sorry to cut you off but yeah that's where i heard you from upstate yeah i'm getting i'm getting old now and i forget <laughs> shit but yeah, yeah. Shout out, Nico. Love you, man. He was the one that kind of started this whole snowball with with me and and finding my same with me. Um, Same with me. He he got me on his show and then that was it. I started my own show. He's a very special person to me, man. And me too. um, Me too. We talk regularly. I I consider him a, a, a very close friend of mine, to be honest. And I hope that I hope that he listens to this. And he's still every time we talk, he's like, dude, start your podcast, you know, start your podcast. And 
my thing is is like when it feels right when 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 it's meant when that subject hits me and it's like this is episode one right then i'll right you know and i keep telling myself like next time i get a free weekend or whatever and then i end up on a guest appearance but that is something that will materialize when it's meant to and that's what this whole experience has showed me like i ended up with rock Right. And then I ended up at the crystal shop and then I could hear all these rocks talking to me and I knew what they did before I ever read about them. And then I realized that like, wait, okay. So if crystals aren't bad, then what else is there that I've been taught that is bad that might actually be good. Right. And then I started right. reading about alchemy because that's a huge, there, there's a lot of connection between, between crystals and, 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 and self-improvement and, and alchemy. And that led me to hermeticism and hermeticism was like the, the, the missing key for me. Like I put all of the religion that was shoved down my throat as a child in the same box as all the abuse and all the trauma that I experienced. And I ran from all of it. And, um, I don't think I ever called myself an atheist, but I said I was agnostic and I said I was all kinds of things. I don't even think I know what I I knew what agnostic meant, but I knew that I didn't want to be looked at as, as religious or didn't want to identify as Christian. Right. And finding hermeticism and realizing that there was spirituality that was about exploring the self and, and improving the without by looking within like that, that's my home. That's where I live. And it was like, I found this philosophy that made sense to me. Exactly. Yeah. And you could do what you want with it. Exactly. And now I was able to take responsibility because like I said, when I switched from why is this happening to me to what can I learn from this? Like I, it, it, it gave me responsibility over my experience because I said, I spent my whole life being a victim, dude. My, my whole life, I was a victim of somebody else's bullshit, whether it was my stepdad was being mean to me or my boss was an asshole or whether it was I was I was mad at the governor or the president. You know what I mean? It was always somebody else's fault. Right. And right. Hermeticism right. gave me the ability to go, wait, 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 wait. This is all on you, dude. This is all on you. And you have just as much as you have put yourself here, you have the opportunity to put yourself somewhere else. You know, just as much as the elites think that they can control your fucking life, you can control your own fucking life. It changed the you're, whole trajectory, man. Yeah, you're the master of the game, dude. You're the fucking player, right? What are your thoughts on the Bible and religion in general? Um, like when it comes to, uh, do you think all the books tie in together? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I don't normally get to talk about this. Uh, I love it. Okay. So I believe that the same story has been being told since the beginning of time. Okay. And what has led me to believe this or what we we perceive as time. Well, right. Cause time is nonlinear and it's a, it's a construct. And so it, it, it's just a, a perception thing is all that it is. But I mean, from that, that the Bible and the fact that it has the same stories as, uh, 500 other books that predate it and then after like reading the sumerian text right and and what those stories were about and like what really really made it click for me was the story of utnapishtim okay so in can you spell that (laughs) utnapishtim yeah i think it's u-t-n-a-p-i-s-h-t-i-n utnapishtim what where is that from sumeria 
Okay. Yep. Okay. And so, Wasn't the Epic of Gilgamesh from Samaria too, or it or is. It is, and okay, you, okay. you can tie Gilgamesh to Nimrod. I'm pretty sure the same entity. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So when you start to connect these the, the stories from Samaria to the stories from the Bible, you can start to see the big picture. And this is the an example of what did that for me. And so I'm going to tell you a story, and you tell me if it sounds familiar. Okay. So gotcha. Inky and Enlil create the human race, right? Enlil yep. grows tired of the humans. He decides he's going to kill them all. Inky goes behind Enlil's back and goes down and tells this dude, Utnapishtin. He says, dude, you got to build a fucking boat because it's going to rain, bro. It's going to rain really hard. Like right? Noah. It's the exact same story, right? And and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I, I know this story, right? <laughs> yeah, you know Noah. <laughs> yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking like, why does this sound so familiar, right? And then it goes... And, and this was this falling out that Inky and Enlil had, right? And he was, he was cast out of uh, the, the group, basically. And now I'm thinking in my head, like, wait, 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 wait. So I'm told there's this bad guy in the Bible that went behind the good guy's back and gave this guy some knowledge that he wasn't supposed to have. And then he was cast out for it, right? And I'm like... Just like me. Yeah, it, Exactly. And so we've got the same story. And so like, I, I, it's my belief that a lot of the things in the Bible have been inverted. Okay. As a means of, it, it does a few things. It's a very effective means of control. Um, it is very empowering to the man, right? It kind of, it, it put men back in charge because a lot of religions that predate Christianity were uh, matriarchal not patriarchal. And so Christianity and the forceful takeover kind of re-empowered the man and put the female down. Right. And it, it also, if you ask me the, and this is one of the things that the Gnostic believes, like I don't, I don't think that the same deity is in the old Testament as the deity that's in the new Testament. Right. And the Gnostics believed that the archon showed up with the old Testament and they were like, here, take this. It's from the man upstairs to like basically corrupt the people that wanted to be Christians. Okay. And it's interesting that in one book you have this all loving, merciful, graceful God. And then in the other book, you have this angry, vengeful, jealous God. Piece of shit. Yeah. And he's like, if you grow corn next to wheat, you're going to go to hell. You know, right. if, if you mix cotton with with silk, you're going to go to hell. You're going to burn yeah. for all of eternity. If your wife sits on the fucking chair when she has her period. You're going to hell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is not my this is not the same dude, you know, and can't be, this can't be. led me to reading about like the meeting of Nicaea. And everybody knows about the meeting of Nicaea, but a lot of people don't know about the meeting of Jandia, which took place 200 years before the meeting of Nicaea. Um. It was the same type of deal. Like in Nicaea, Constantine sat down and they, I think they reviewed 48 books and five of them ended up in the New Testament. Um, and we've all heard about like how white Jesus is Caesar Borgia's son. Uh, Micah, Micah Dank talks about that a lot. Um, yep. But the, it was just this, this dude that, because they needed a white Jesus for everybody to get behind, you know, and the meeting of Jandia, I've read that there were like 200 books that they sat down with and it got reduced to 48 and then that 48 got reduced to five you know and a fight that i got into with my family earlier this year was he, he says you know what you need to quit reading about these conspiracy theories and just start reading <laughs> the, the goddamn bible that's what you need. And 
Yeah, but is it? Aren't all the books that were taken out of the Bible? Isn't that the Bible as well? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, but what about all the books that didn't there? He's like, no, you're talking about the canon. I'm like, no, I'm talking about the meeting in Nicaea, which he had never heard of. So I educate him, and he goes, well, and listen, this is the 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 religious defense right here. Okay, he goes. Yeah, well, obviously, they had to make sure they were up to par. They had to make sure all the books were up to par. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Up to whose par? Dude, you just told me this came from God and it had never been changed. And now you're telling me they sat down and took out 43 of the 48 books because God wasn't up to par? Yeah, because the Antichrist already changed everything. That's what I'm – and so, like, what do we have, right? And and the same people the, – the, the part that bothers me about – a, a big part of the religious conservative uh, movement or whatever you want to call it community is that they talk about the deep state all the time. Right. It's all, it's all yep. the deep state, this and deep, oh, deep state. And you. It, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's deep state information. Don't listen to that. And it's like, dude, who do you think that you don't think that the Catholic church back in the day was the same thing as the deep state is now, you know, it's the exact same entity. The church was the government back then and, and the same the same people that fucking corrupted the bible are the same people that are running us exactly so how are you going to be how are you going to talk shit about the deep state and go no that's from the deep you can't trust that but then tell me that the only thing that is accurate in the whole world is this book that came from that group you know and so you got to go back further you got to go back further and in the in the according to the indigenous people because this story of the garden of eden is way older than christianity and in the original story, oh for sure the serpent wasn't the tempter okay the serpent wasn't the tempter the jackal or the fox was the tempter okay and now we're back to anubis or cynocephalus or the dog-headed man right but the dude who brings you the story is not going to tell you that he's the bad guy you see what I'm saying? Oh, for sure, dude. And serpents you don't... have been demonized in Western culture for forever. So it was an easy scapegoat. You know what's crazy, dude? Like, being who you and I are, um, the, the craziest thing is that you don't, you don't, you don't, um, you don't only have to deal with the people who are religious to open their minds, which is very much more difficult than the rest of the people. But you also have to deal with the rest of the people to try to wake them up too. They're not religiously uh, brainwashed, but they're still asleep, you know? And there's totally it's like there's two tactics. groups. Yeah. Totally different tactics. And this whole red pill and thing, I remember, you know, Tommy G. Uh, no, okay. I don't think so. He's a, just a brutal right wing I mean, he's not, okay. not so much anymore, but he was big on the the anti-blue during the whole election cycle and everything. Uh, okay. No, I forgot. What it was. Oh, but he would talk about how red pilling was an art, right? And that there was a system and that he had developed this system. And I remember him talking about this. And like part of this system that he talked about was asking questions instead of giving people information. And I use this method, right? Instead of giving people information and expecting them to take it on as truth, you ask them questions and you let them find, you let them give themselves the answers, right? And so Dude, you can say questions how... like, would you agree yeah. that this is how this is? Well, yeah. And why do you think that that is, you know, well, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you ask them questions and then all of a sudden you see the light bulb. Exactly. And that is uh, exactly 
what uh, Christ did. He would ask questions. Right. It's an art, dude. People, and, what, and then they would right. follow him. Dude, he was a freaking red pillin rebel. You know, mm-hmm. he was anti-big oh. religion. He was persecuted by the church, you know. And <laughs> here's my thing about Jesus, right? Uh, if you ask me, you know, Sam Tripley calls him shapeshifter, shapeshifting Jesus. Shapeshifting um, lizard. Yeah. Right. And I don't know that he was a shapeshifter, but I do believe that he was a shaman. Okay. And all of these miracles that he performed, right, whether it was the loaf of bread that never got smaller or the Holy Grail and turning water into wine, which the Holy Grail is just a big chunk of Moldavite. Um, but, oh, shit. Uh, or whether it was the fish that fed everyone, right? And these are yep. all ancient uh, mystical tools, right? The, the, these were all written about way before Christianity. So I believe that Jesus had esoteric knowledge, right? He had gnosis, okay? And he was able to locate these sacred artifacts and perform these miracles to be able to get people to start asking questions or to think outside the box or realize there was maybe some truth from outside of the church, but they were tools that he used that were around way before he ever was. A lot of them were said to be in the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. And the Holy Grail was either a cup that had Moldavite set into it, or it was a cup that was made purely of Moldavite, right? And the the story was that when Lucifer was cast from heaven, Michael struck him uh, in his crown with the sword, and this, this jewel fell out of Lucifer's crown and fell from the heavens to... Uh, to earth which maybe is has something to do with how moldavite was formed it was created during an asteroidal impact that created the bohemian plateau in the czech republic um okay and so maybe this is how they interpreted this meteor falling from the sky right right and making impact and then vaporizing all this silt and then this green space glass falling from the sky right which is the same thing that we read about in superman that's kryptonite right it's just it's just moldavite, holy dude. shit it's just moldavite and is it coincidence <clears throat> that superman's name is kal-el and that his dad's name is like ra-el and l means angel and every archangel has l at the end of their name because it means of God, like are, are superman just an angel Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is this the same stone that we're talking about? But Napoleon found the Holy Grail. Right. He found it. And he was like pissed because he was like, dude, it's a cup made of green glass. What am I supposed to do with this? You know, and he like he threw it away when he found it. And so these these miracles, right, are. They're repeatable. Right. They 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 happened before Jesus and it's very likely that they'll happen after Jesus. And so when I, if I had to tell you what I thought he was, I would just, I, I, I would argue that he's just a, a very aware, very awake, very esoterically inclined, uh, very brave. He was a rebel. Yep. And, and the Christ consciousness, like they say, the new age, old adage of the new age thing, the Christ consciousness will return. Well, and I don't think, I don't think Christ is like, I, I, I don't think it's a sing, singular thing. I think it's us waking up and finding out that we are also anointed like Christ was. We're all gods, dude. And people get really upset yeah, when you dude. say that. But I mean, yeah, it says it's it in hard. the word. And Christ yeah. consciousness, let's dive into that a little bit. Where does the word Christ come from? And what does it mean to be Christ-like? The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, okay, which means crystal, 
Okay. So the Greeks found quartz crystal. Okay. And they called it the ice of the gods. They thought it was ice from the heavens. Okay. And they called it Christos. So to be Christ-like is to be crystalline. Okay. It's a vibration, dude. That's all it is. Crystals carry vibrations, right? Quartz is very pure crystal because you can program it with any vibration. You can program quartz with the vibration of any other crystal, including the vibration of love, dude. And so to be Christ-like is just to be crystalline. And to be crystalline is to operate in a, con- in a, in a vibration of unconditional love. You know? I love it. I love it, dude. Honestly, so, it's amazing. I totally agree. Christ, the, the Christ consciousness is coming back, man. It's, and- it is. It is. It's, that is the second coming. It's, it's us realizing that we are the Christ. I could know? not agree more, dude. I could not agree yeah, more. Dude. I remember the first think- time in the chat that I said that we were all gods and it just imploded. The whole chat just melted down. Dude. There's only yeah, one God. And- people can't comprehend that, man. And that's where the brainwashing kicks into high gear. It's like... Yep want you to they just want to pull you down dude into the pit of hell into sheol you know and the buddhists believe that exact thing that we're all gods that that, that, that we're all gods down here and driving these human avatars right and even if, the, if, the buddhist gods drove all these different avatars when they were down here yeah man that's all i'm telling you are, dude. dude i call it the meat suit you know this I, oh yeah the flesh bag yeah. i call it flesh bag this is yeah. who i am this is just the car that i drive on the i'm plate. just passing through bro exactly you know? i'm gonna ride my wave i'm here exactly that's why i'm davy wavy so i think that's a good way to wrap it up man um what's uh one last question for you man you're so awesome uh what is your message of hope for humanity in the future, in the near future and in the long term? Dude, here's the thing. I think it's going to get shitty before it gets better. And I think that it is an integral part of this growth that we're going through as a collective. I think that, well, well, the Bible calls it birth pangs. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Like, what do you go through when you're five, six, seven years old and your, your knees just just ache, dude? Your parents, you say, oh, don't worry. That's just growing pains, honey. It just hurts, you know? It'll, it'll get better. And that's what this is as this, this collective, we're just going through some growing pains, man. And it's going to hurt and it's going to sting, but it's like that self love that we talked about, that love of self and the love of the people around you and the love of this plane. That's what's going to get you through this man. And that's, what's going to get us to where we need to be is being able to love each other through the bullshit dude and love ourselves through the bullshit and, and, and stop, with uh, stop allowing them to divide us because that is what's happening is the principle of polarity is being used to put us in all these separate camps to keep us at odds it's a battle tactic that we've been using for thousands of years it's called divide and conquer okay and the best answer and it, for that is it's love. happening very uh, very much strong right now oh yeah it's incredible and they're good they're, dude yeah they're really they know good. they know what to do dude and and they're they're attacking us with weapons that most of us don't understand, right? Yep. So the best thing that you can do is love yourself and educate yourself, right? And question everything, man. And every time that you set out to answer a question, you're gonna find that answer, but you're gonna find ten more questions. And that's what's so beautiful about this place, right? Is you you don't get to know it all, right? But you get to know what matters, and what matters is that you leave this place better than you found it. And I I think that's it, man. And embracing the struggle and embracing the bullshit and figuring out how to grow from it. Because once you can sit here and go, fuck dude, bring it on. Bring it on. What's next? I'm ready. 
you know, that's all you got. You know, once you can look at this place and go, that's it, you know, you won, dude. It, once this place can't break you anymore, you got it. You got it. And you can then you can teach other people how to look at this place and go, what else? You know, what's next? What's uh, what's next? Mr. Firestride, uh, you crushed it. Really pretty. You know, I, I love it, man. I, I knew, like, when I first heard you on Nico's show, I was like, dude, I, I got to talk to him, you know? <laughs> and we were, we were messaging each other back and forth, but, um, yeah, dude, uh, you're a friend, dude. I love you, and uh, thank you so much for coming on, dude. I love you so much. I love you too, brother. I really appreciate the opportunity to be heard on your platform, and, um, dude, Anybody who wants to, like I said, I'm all about the debate. I'm all about talking about this shit. Anybody has questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas. Anybody wants to yell at me or call me a piece of shit for the things that I said on here is more than welcome. Dude, I, I accept that too. Um, yeah, and uh, plug yourself so they know where to shit on you. I am Hatter Will Happen on Instagram. Uh, Hatter underscore will underscore happen. Uh, keep an eye out for Tea with the Hatter. That's my podcast. It's all set up. I'm just waiting uh for the right first episode man i've been waiting to pull the trigger when the time's right it's right i'm starting to feel like getting back on instagram and starting to put some content out on there again um i'm uh i'm getting back to where i need to be so come find me yell at me talk to me whatever man let's be friends or i accept all of it man i'm equal opportunity conversationist absolutely 100 percent. uh you have a fan already so (laughs) (laughs) you know just just get it out there, man. Do what you got to do, man. Appreciate you, brother. Cool, man. You too. Uh, peace out, bro. Have a good night. There we have it. There was Tarrant Firestride, the Hatter, the Mad Hatter, and uh, seems like uh, the Hatter and I have a lot in common. I mean... I've never spoken to him before uh, via voice. Uh, This is our first conversation, and it was fucking amazing, I think. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, guys, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please know that I would like to get more equipment. Um, I I mean, I have a job and everything. I have a day job, but uh, I'd like to make this full-time. And if you guys, like nobody's joined my Patreon yet, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm patiently waiting. All it takes is a couple bucks, couple bucks a month. And, uh, if you enjoy the show, just tip me, you know, help me get some new gear, help me get a new mic, help me get a laptop. Maybe, um, yeah, guys, uh, patreon.com forward slash, uh, red pill cartel podcast. And, uh, if you're so willing and if you're beautiful soul, I don't know you are, just tip me a couple bucks, you know? That's all it takes. A month. Just a couple bucks. That's all. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, um, thank you guys so much for listening again. And, um, you know, drop me a rating, too, on iTunes as well. Uh, help, help me get this uh, show off the ground. And uh, I love you guys so much. And till next time, peace out. <laughs>